And we feel like that uh, the two passengers that got on a Cessna, and they were leaving the Bahamas, this is a couple of weeks ago, May 11th or 12th, and they were leaving the Bahamas, and they were on their way to Miami. So the t- two passengers get in the Cessna, and, and the pilot gets in, and they take off, and they're, everything's going fine, everything's wonderful, until the pilot turns around to the passenger and says, I'm not feeling very well. And about two seconds later, he passes out, and he's gone. He, in medical emergency, he, he, they don't know what to do, so uh, it, the plane takes a nosedive. Again, true story. You can Google it. Look it up. It, a plane starts taking a nosedive, and so one of the passengers uh, moves the pilot out of the seat, sits in the pilot. Uh, he has never flown a plane, this passenger, never flown a plane, uh, doesn't know what to do, but because he's driven a car, he sees the steering wheel, and he says, okay, this is the place to begin. And, uh, and, and then he sees the headphones. And he understands that those headphones will probably connect him to somebody that might know what he's doing. So he puts on the headphones and he starts uh, holding the steering wheel as it's going and losing altitude. And he starts screaming into the microphone of that headset, help, we're in trouble. I don't know about you, but I wake up in the morning sometimes and I think, my goodness, we need help. We're in trouble. Now, we need help, and, and there are people around us that need hope. I, I don't know about you, but, but hopelessness is a real thing for people uh, around us every single day. Uh, we have um, people that we work with, people that we uh, are friends with, people that are neighbors, people that, that are our uh, 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 co-workers, our friends. People are hopeless. Now, they're, they're hopeless because they feel helpless in a world that's out of control. And they're hopeless and they don't know how to take hold of hope. I want you to look around. I mean, right now, just, uh, I know people in the balcony can't see everybody on the lower floor and people on the lower floor can't see everybody in the balcony. But just take a moment and look around. Everybody just look around. I mean, crane your neck. Do, I, I literally look around. See as many people as you can see in this room. As many people as are in this room, there are hundreds of thousands of people in the seven cities of Hampton Roads who do not know hope. As many people as are in this room and many people that you have known for years, some of you for decades, there are people around you that you've known just as long who are not part of God's family and who are living hopelessly and they need hope. We can look and scream at the world around us and say how dark it is, how horrifying and harrowing and hopeless it is. But the real question for this family of faith, this church that was birthed originally at Pentecost, the real question for us is what in the world are we going to do about it? Most of us sit around, and I confess I did this. I told one of my daughters, Maggie, I think, I told my daughter, I said, I am just enamored with Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Seriously, I mean, just pop me some popcorn and let's go. I don't know why that was so fascinating, so entertaining for me. But as I was getting ready today, can I tell you, it might have been entertaining for me and for some of you, but you think about the pain that those two people have gone through. 
and the pain that they still are going through. It doesn't matter if you're Team Amber or Team Johnny. Those two people are living hopelessly. And they need something more than us sitting on the sidelines eating popcorn. You know, there are people that you work with and go to school with, people in your neighborhood. They're like that every single day. People you play with every, all the time. They are hopeless. The question isn't how can we be entertained by their hopelessness. The question is what are we going to do about it? You might say, well, what does Joel 2 have to do with what we are going to do about it? Well, Joel 2 changes the landscape. Joel 2 changes the name of the game. Joel 2 tells us that, that we have, who have hope, have the opportunity and the ability to share hope. Now, just listen to what Joel declares. Joel chapter 2, verse 28. Joel 2, if you remember, locust plague has come and hit Judah. Uh, the people are starving to death. They have no food. They have no crops. Uh, God says this is something that's happened, but if you'll repent of whatever they had done, some sin against God, if they'll repent, then God promises to, uh, verse 23, I'm going to pour down rain. That was good. So pouring down rain reverses the drought, reverses the, the, uh, the, the, the harm that the locusts had done. I'm going to pour down rain. But now, in verse 28, he promises something more. Joel 2, 28, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my Spirit on those, in those days. And I'll show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon into blood, before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be deliverance, and the Lord has, as the Lord has said, among the remnant whom the Lord calls." So we look at this passage together. I just want to um, lay out a few things that I think are important. First of all, we understand the Holy Spirit of God in part because of this passage, key passage in the Old Testament. Now, what sets this passage where he talks about pouring out his Spirit, God talks about pouring out his Spirit, different than the other ways in the Old Testament where God poured out his Spirit? Well, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit, by and large, God poured out his Spirit. That, let me start there are three persons to the Godhead. There's one Godhead. Three persons to the Godhead. There's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They are one. God the Father promises here to send God the Holy Spirit. Now, what makes this promise different is that in the past, God would pour out His Spirit on a specific person at a specific time for a specific purpose. So, um, the judges of Israel, God would clothe them in his spirit so that they might lead the nation of Israel, the people of Israel. 
Um, when it talks about Moses being clothed with the Spirit of God, that is God uh, uh, pouring out his Spirit on Moses so that Moses might lead his people. Numbers chapter 11, however, uh, God says, I'm going, to, I'm going to pour out my Spirit on more leaders than just Moses. And, he, and, and Moses gathers the, tri, uh, the leaders of the tribes together, and, and God pours out his Spirit on those leaders. So much so then, Numbers 11, verse 29, Moses says, I would pray that all people will be clothed with the Spirit. So, as you look, a great example, Samson. You all remember Samson and Delilah, not the song, but the, the actual historical person. Some of y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. Some of you do. Some of you do. You're my people. Uh, Samson. Samson was a judge in Israel. He sinned against God. He lost his power. He went and he was under guard of the Philistines. He was shamed, eyes plucked out, no strength. And then he asked God, God, give me strength. The Spirit of God clothed Samson for that moment where Samson uh, tore down the pillars and destroyed Philistines and himself. It's a specific time for a specific purpose on a specific person. Now, again, listen to what God says. He says, in those days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Change of scenery, change of dynamic, change of everything. So, how does that affect us? Well, the promise is fulfilled in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, we, we see, uh, you remember, Jesus has been raised from the dead. Jesus died on a cross for sinners like you and me. Uh, he is buried. He is raised from the dead on the third day. He meets with his disciples, and he teaches his disciples, and he walks with them, gives them the great commission, the great commission, Matthew 28, uh, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I've taught you, and behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And then Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Stop, he tells his disciples, stop looking up at the sky. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be witnesses for me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the uttermost parts of the earth. So the disciples wait, and they're in an upper room, and they're praying for the coming of the Holy Spirit, and they're praying for the coming of the Holy Spirit, and they're praying for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And then on the day of Pentecost, the Spirit comes. God pours out His Spirit on all those who are part of His family through faith in Jesus Christ. The watching crowd in Jerusalem, they gather around because they hear a bunch of drunk people creating a, a, a chaos. And they come around and, and Peter stands up in Acts 2.14. He begins to preach. He says, we are not drunk, but we are filled with the Spirit. It is the fulfillment of the promise where God said in Joel chapter 2, verse 28, behold, in those days, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. In that moment, the church was born. And the last song we'll sing today, we're going to hear about Jesus, uh, the King, but then we're going to see how the Spirit of God lit the flame of the church, birthed the church, and then lit the flame of the church. All right, so, so it's the Spirit of God that gives birth to the church. And the Spirit of God moves us to be a people of hope in a hopeless world. And we have hope because we have God's presence. Now, you need to understand that 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, it tells us that we are the temple of the Spirit of God. If you and I, 
if we have repented our sin, placed our trust in Jesus alone to rescue us through his death on the cross, his payment for our sin, through his resurrection from the dead to bring us into the family of God, in that moment, in that moment where we trusted Christ, where, where the Spirit of God gave us a new heart, in that moment, the Spirit of God took up residence in us. We are the temple of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God resides with us so that you and I live. If you're a follower of Jesus, you live in immediate intimacy with the living God. Christianity is not a religion that we follow. It's a relationship that we have with the living God because the Spirit of God resides within us. And when the Spirit of God resides within us, we have hope. Look, if I am walking through uncomfortable territory, if I'm going through a dark alley and, 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 and there are lions and tigers and bears all around every dark corner in that dark alley, I'm frightened, but I have hope. I have hope because I have uh, a big bodyguard with me. And that big bodyguard can chase away every lion and tiger and bear. The Spirit of God is with us so that we walk every single day, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, we walk every single day in the grip of God and His presence. So when you go to bed at night, you have hope because God is with you. And when you wake up in the morning, you have hope because God is with you. And when you're going through the valley, you have hope because God is with you. And when you're on the summit, you have hope because God is with you. The key is not the rain that God sends to give us stuff. The key is that God has given us his spirit so that we live in his presence. So today we have hope because of God's presence with us. I, I want you to note a couple of things here. It says, uh, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And then he t- says, uh, sons and daughters shall prophesy. Old men shall dream dreams. Young men shall see visions. Mid- men servants, maid servants, I'll pour out my spirit in those days. Let me just give you a clue. When it comes to God pouring out the spirit of God upon his people, there is no discrimination in the dose. God gives all himself to all of us who belong to him by faith in Jesus Christ. If you're a man, you got all the Spirit of God. If you're a woman, you got all the Spirit of God. If you're young, you've got all the Spirit of God. If you're old, you've got all the Spirit of God. If you're rich, you can have all the Spirit of God. And if you're poor, men, servant, maid, servant, you have all the Spirit of God. It doesn't matter. Young men, young lady shall prophesy. I know we're Baptists, but prophesy means preach, deliver the word of God. I'm sorry, that's what it means. We do do damage to the word of God when we focus on one verse and define the rest of Scripture by one verse. Those of you who know who I'm talking about, I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go any deeper than that. But anyway, listen, we, we need to understand that the Spirit of God dwells within us. I appreciate when you all come to me and you say, Pastor, I just need to talk to you. We need to, you know, I've got a problem. I need help. And, and I appreciate that. But can I tell you, brother, sister, 
my friend, my family. Can I tell you? You got just as much the Spirit of God as Eric Thomas does. And it's the Spirit of God that leads you into all truth, not Eric Thomas. I'm just so excited that we together make up a family of spirit filled followers of Jesus. Can I tell you what a hopeless world needs? They need a church filled with hope. A church that's filled with hope because we're filled with the Spirit. We have hope in God's presence. No distinction. No discrimination. I mean, you can dig down into the letters there. I'm just telling you. It's a powerful word for us in our time. We have hope in God's presence. We also have hope in God's power. We have hope in God's power. Um, just, uh, I'm, I'm getting ready to read a passage, and it is a dark passage. I've already read it. A, a dark two verses, 30 and 31. They're dark. Um, and they talk about God's power. talks about the day of the Lord. All right, so let me read them, and then we'll walk through it, okay? Verse 30 and 31, I will show wonders. Now, the term wonders there is a term that means a sign that points to God's intervention, okay? In John's gospel, Jesus did signs and wonders. Now, they were signs and wonders of God's intervention, engagement with, in the world of humanity. So in this, this verse, uh, God says, I'm gonna show you that I'm engaged. He says, I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth. Now, here's the dark. Blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. He's talking about the day of the Lord, and that's the day of his unveiling, the unveiling of his power among the, in the world of humanity. And uh, it is a great and awesome day. I want you to lean into that word awesome. Great and awesome awesome day. The term there, awesome, comes from the Hebrew verb yara, which means to fear. Here in this context, it's a participle that serves as an adjective. Some of you grammarians, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't know, just ignore it because I'm getting to the best part. So this is a participle from the verb yara, and it is spelled, it's awesome, it is spelled N-O-R-A. Nora. I have a granddaughter. Her name is Nora, and she is awesome. I kid you not. Found that yesterday. I was so excited to share that with y'all today. All right, I'll move on. The day of the Lord is great, and it's awesome. It's a day that, uh, that highlights the holiness, the majesty, the otherness, the power of God. Now, for us, for, for followers of Jesus, it is a wonderful day. It is an awesome day. It, it's, it's a day of reverence. It's a day of respect. It's a day where we look to the majesty and the holiness of God. And we, we tremble in worship to him. But it's a great day because God is unveiling his power in the world of humanity in ways that we have never seen. 
He's unveiling his power in the world of humanity in, in such a way that we can see that by his presence, we are protected, we are provided for, we are, uh, we are uh, uh, given purpose, we are given uh, direction, we understand um, that we belong to God and his power is at work for his people and for his purpose. When you're on the right side of the holiness of God, the day of the Lord is a great day. When you're on the wrong side of the holiness of God, the day of the Lord is a day of judgment. Darkness, moon turning like blood, fire and smoke. The power is revealed The holiness of God is unveiled, but we have no covering because we've never trusted in Jesus to forgive our sin. We've never been covered by his sacrifice. We've never been brought into God's family through faith in Jesus Christ by God's grace. And so we're on the wrong side of God's holiness and we're living hopelessly. And when that day happens, the day of accounting happens. We're dust. Hopeless. It's horrifying and it's harrowing and it's hopeless. For those of us who are part of the family of God, it's a great day. For those who are not part of the family of God, it's a terrible day. Now, here's what I need for you to understand. When God birthed the church, he birthed the church for that day. He birthed the church so that we would be young men and and women, that we would be old and young, that we've been slave or free, rich or poor, it doesn't matter. We would be filled by the Spirit of God, empowered by him so that we might be a nation of prophets telling others the word of the Lord so that they might be ready for the day of the Lord. The world is going to hell. But what are we going to do about it? God didn't say, oh, the world's going to hell. Y'all go ahead and cloister up, get close to each other, and just look out and say, the world's going to hell, the world's going to hell. No, he says, church, I've poured out my spirit upon you so that you might have my power to be my witnesses in a lost and dying world filled with hopelessness and darkness. God says to you and to me, today is the day for us to wake up to the hope that we have so that we might share that hope. We have hope in God's presence. We have hope in God's power. We have hope in God's purpose. Do you realize that God has a purpose even today? The same purpose that he had for you when you were far from him or me when I was far from him, separated from him by my sin, God had a purpose. And that purpose was my rescue. I want you to look, last verse, 232. It shall come to pass that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be, what? Saved. Saved. Friends, 
Let's just be clear. You're part of God's family, not because God, not because you chose God, because God called you and he drew you to himself and he brought you into his family and he opened your eyes by his Holy Spirit. He convicted you of your sin and he said, you are lost and empty and you are not ready for the judgment to come. And God in his grace sent his Holy Spirit to open your eyes and to give you the eyes of faith to see that Jesus is your only hope for rescue. And you place your heart into the hands of Jesus. You repented your sin. You turned from uh, all the idols of your own making. And you decided in that moment, because the Lord was calling you and drawing you by his spirit, you put your trust in Jesus and Jesus alone. And God, by the spirit of God, Uh, poured out his grace upon you and he gave you a new heart and a new mind and a new life. He, he, he bored you again by his Holy Spirit. And in that moment, on that day, the Spirit of God drew you from your separation from God into the family of God. And the Spirit of God said, I'm taking up residence with you for now and forever, all the way from here to heaven. But none of that was because of what you had done. And none of that was because of where you were born. And none of that was because of how good you are, good you've been. It's all God's grace that did all of that. So we sit here living in the hope that God has given us, but not living in the purpose that that hope demands. Listen, that person that you work with, that person that you go to school with, that person that lives down the street, they're hopeless. But God has filled you with his Holy Spirit so that you might fulfill his purpose of bringing rescue to that person. What's that person's name? Do you know him? Do you know her? They're... they're, This world is going to hell, but it begins with that person going to hell. It begins with that person who doesn't know God. Listen, that's that's your assignment. The assignment given to you by the Spirit of God. He has given you hope. He's empowered you with his presence so that you can now go and help that person in that horrifying, harrowing, hopeless moment. Find hope in Jesus Christ. Find life in Jesus Christ. Back to the Cessna on its way from the Bahamas to Florida. The man who had never flown a plane before, never never done anything, he's up there and he's screaming into his mic set. And the air traffic controllers at the Palm Beach airport heard him. And for the next hour or so, they spoke to that man who had never done anything like that before. And they led that man and the other passenger and the pilot to land. They led that airplane to safety. God has put you and me in the path of people who are perilously close 
to disaster. They're living hopelessly in a horrifying world. And God has put you and me in their life so that like the air traffic controllers, we share with them the good news of God's rescuing love and help them land safely. The good news is that you can do it. You know how I know you can do it? Because you have the Spirit of God residing within you. God's purpose, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know, I, 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 don't, I don't want you to miss this. It, the Spirit of God, third person of the Trinity, it's so imperative that we understand who the Spirit of God is. And so for you graduates, I, I just want to take a moment, kind of talk with you a little bit. When you leave and you go do whatever you're doing next, whether you start the work world or go to school or whatever is next for you, I just want to encourage you to walk in the Spirit. Now, what that means is that you live your life yielded to the direction, the leadership, the commands of the Spirit of God. You find those commands in the Word of God, which the Spirit of God wrote. You know, the Holy Spirit wrote the Bible for us. And so we listen to the Spirit of God, speaking through the Word of God to our lives. Walk in the Spirit. I want to read you uh, just a few things that the Spirit of God does for us. Because we have the Spirit of God residing within us, okay? Uh, I've already mentioned this in John 3, 5, when the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God gives us a new heart. And we're born again by the Spirit of God. John 6, 63 and Romans chapter 8, verse 11, the Spirit of God gives us life. That's not just living and breathing, but that's sustenance and life and meaning and purpose. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 3, 16, uh, we're the temple of the Spirit of God. The Spirit abides within us. In Romans 8, 14, 15, and 16, it says that the Spirit of God leads us as sons and daughters of God. In 1 Corinthians 12, the Spirit of God gifts each one of us with special gifts for service in and through the church. In Romans 8, 26, the Spirit of God helps us in our weakness. 1 John 16, verse 13 the Spirit of God guides us into all truth. In 1 Corinthians 2, 11, uh, 11 and 12, the Spirit of God lets us know the things of God, understand the things of God, and understand what God has given us. 2 Corinthians three seventeen, where the Spirit of Christ is, there is liberty, freedom. The Spirit of God leads us in freedom. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, the Apostle Paul says, Walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit and you'll be protected from all the, uh, the, the chaotic consequences of sinfulness that takes place. Walk in the Spirit. You'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And then Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23 tell us that when we walk in the Spirit, we bear the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. Can I tell you, most people want to hang out with 
people like that. Walk in the Spirit. When we walk in the Spirit, all these things that God does for us by giving us the Holy Spirit, so often we look at that and we say, well, that's, that's what the Spirit of God is for. Give me all that stuff. No. You know, the Spirit of God does all that for you and for me so that we might fulfill God's purpose. Acts 1.8, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be witnesses for me. In Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. Today, I want to encourage you. I, I beg you, please. Let's take seriously the upside-down world in which we live and the hopelessness in which people find themselves. Let's take that seriously. But even more important, let's take seriously what God has given us to do. He's given us this wondrous mission to share hope with those who are hopeless. If you love someone or even like someone, you're going to do all that you can to help them get ready for the day of the Lord. So let's do it. We live in a world that's filled with, that's horrifying and harrowing and hopeless. Let's not just sit and eat our popcorn and watch it burn. Let's do what God's given us to do. Let's be the nation of prophets he's assembled and share the message of hope with those who are hopeless. Would you bow your heads with me, please? These next few moments, we're going to respond to God any way that he leads us and invite you to respond specifically. This altar will be open. Ministers will be here ready to pray with you over commitments or decisions that you need to make. In these moments, you do what God leads you to do. Maybe you need to come and pray for that one person in your life that you know for sure is hopeless because they're far from, far from God. And today, it is your calling to help them find life in Christ. Maybe you need to come or have one of our pastors pray with you and God give you the strength that you need that he's already given you by his spirit to open your mouth and open your eyes and tell them this wondrous message of hope found in Christ Jesus. Now, Father, in these next few moments, I pray that you would change our hearts to beat in tune with your spirit. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray.